Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I gotta say, I gotta be honest with you, you know, it was pretty quiet during the first half of the worship. And I was kind of guessing maybe you ate too much over the holidays, so I thought I'd inspire you with this. Oh. You know, that was me eating Tamlin Berry's uh, sweet potato pie. You know, after Thanksgiving dinner, you just kind of sit there in your body, all the blood rushes to your stomach, and you just digest. And you just sit back, you contemplate life, maybe take a little nap. Uh, my cowboys were uninspiring, so that contributed to my nap. They were so bad, even the Chargers beat them. I know, Norm, Norm sent me a text. He did. But maybe a better thing to think about is not happy Thanksgiving, but joyful Thanksgiving. Because in Christ, they're two different things. They sound the same. And in the, in the world we live in, we look at joy and happiness and we kind of think that they mean one of the same things. But the problem is happiness depends on happenings. And so happiness is all circumstantial. Bad things are happening, then you're not happy. Good things are happening, then you're happy. But the Bible doesn't talk about happiness. It talks about joy. It says that joy overflows. That joy is the fruit of the Spirit. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about is joy. And so go over and turn over to Psalm 90. And it says, joy comes from God's love. In Psalm 90, verse 14, let's read together. He says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. That's an interesting passage because there's a condition. There's something that we're supposed to do in order to then reap the other side of it. Well, what's he tell us to do? He says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. And so our ability to sing and be joyful and glad all of our days is dependent upon being satisfied with God's unfailing love. Now, just because God is loving, and that's how the Bible defines Him, it says God is love, doesn't mean that you're connected to the unfailing love of God. You can have a great buffet in front of you, but staring at a buffet is very different than eating a buffet. You know, last night I enjoyed a buffet, went down to Koreatown, and we ate at Dream Korean Barbecue. And I overate, but I blame the restaurant because it says all you can eat. 
It did not say all you should eat. So I went way past what I should eat. And I know my problem is I ate salad at the beginning. It was. That lettuce expanded. And, uh, and then later we had dessert and we went to another place and I ate dragon's breath. Which, the best way I can describe it, it's like Captain Crunch soaked in liquid nitrogen. And then you crunch on it and then like smoke comes out of your mouth. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take any pictures. Uh, and then I ate. It was like a big snowball covered with cream and fruit. Because that way, if you eat a piece of fruit, it's healthy. So that's how I finished strong. So my stomach's just now getting over the level of satisfaction that I had. I had meat sweats last night. You know what that's like when you eat too much meat. But it was great. We were there, we were there with our friends. And, you know, if you ever eaten Korean barbecue, they have a vast list of choices that you can and pick. And sitting right next to me was Dennis Butamante, and he showed up, and I go, Dennis, here, you got to eat this. And he goes, what is it? And I go, well, you got to eat it, and then I'll tell you what it is. So he ate it. And I go, what do you think? And he goes, well, it's good. It's kind of fatty. And I go, yeah. I go, it's, it's cow intestines. That's why I told him he had to eat it before I would tell him what it is. But the point is, when you're at a buffet, when you have all you can eat in front of you, you have to pick and choose what you're going to fill up on. You can make a good choice, or you can make a really, really bad, bad choice. Every morning, you have an opportunity to decide what will satisfy you. Is it the TV? Is it your email? Your Facebook page? What is it? The morning news? You see, we have choices. Now, now God says, let's be satisfied with your unfailing love. God is love. The problem is never whether or not God is love. He is. So whether or not we feel connected to it is our issue. But you can have the best, most amazing food in the world sitting right in front of you, but if you filled up on junk food, you don't have any room to eat the best stuff. And the psalmist says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That we may sing and be glad. You have opportunity to determine the outcome of your day. I don't mean that you can determine whether good things or bad things happen during your day. That's what we wish, right? We have a really good quiet time. That's going to guarantee good things happen today. I've not found that to be true. No, but what we can determine is what comes out of us. We can determine our joy level in spite of extreme circumstances. So what do we got to do? We got to seek a daily connection with God's love. 
It needs to be a daily connection, not weekly, not Sunday mornings, not on Tuesday nights. No, it's got to be daily. Like, who says, I just want to be joyful one day a week? You know, if I can just have a really good Monday, I don't care if Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are lousy. My goal, just good Monday. But sometimes that's the exact decision we make when we go, I'm too busy to connect with God. And really, what's our goal? It's connection. It's intimacy. You go, well, how long does that take? Different on different days. You know, aren't there some days where within about a minute you just feel like you're in the throne room of God? And then there's other days where 30 minutes into it, an hour into it, you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the clouds and you're like, what's going on? There's no simple path of, oh, we'll do this and you'll feel connected. It's different on different days. It's just like a relationship. It's exactly what it is. Days we got to work harder. We got to come back to it at lunchtime. Or dinner. Or before bed. Why? Because we need more connection time. Because we were connected, but somewhere in that early morning, we kind of lost it. And we're not feeling it. So you got to get back connected. So my question for you, are you connected to the love of God? Is it daily? Is that a pattern? Do you just bask in it? Is that easy to say, God loves me. I know God loves me. I know he's got my best interest in mind. I know he's looking out for me. I know God loves me. Or do you feel fake to say that? See, we've got to do the hard work to connect with the love of God. You see, too often what we think is, well, if I'm joyful, then it's going to be a lot easier to connect with God. No, it doesn't work that way. We have to connect with the love of God. Then the joy flows out of that. You know, that's interesting. It says, so that. That's what enables it. It's, it's the supply. You cannot supply what you're not connected to. You know, I love this picture. The Mancini's introduced us over 20 years ago to a really cool spot in southeast Missouri. Uh, the Current River and the Jacks Fork River. And there are all these spring-fed rivers that you can float, canoe, all year long. And they have these amazing, you know, narrow canyons and rocky bluffs. And the water's clear. And it's all fed by these springs. Well, this is Big Spring. I guess in Missouri, sorry, Gary, they ran out of names. So they came up with Big Spring because it's big. Um, 200 million gallons a day. Now, just to put that in perspective, that fills up an Olympic-sized swimming pool in five minutes. So it fills up just over 300 Olympic swimming pools a day, and this is just one spring. And they got a bunch of these. Yeah, you ever been to a gas station and they're low on gas? You know, and you... Swipe your credit card and you put the nozzle in the tank and you, and you squeeze as hard as it can. And it's like a tenth of a gallon, two tenths of a gallon. They're like, oh, gosh. 
There's like no gas in the tank. It's taken forever. You know what? That's how some of us live. Your joy level can be like Big Spring. It just flows out. Or you can be like the empty gas tank and you're squeezing, come on, joy. And it's just like little joyful moment. Oh, it came out. A tenth of a joyful feeling. Keep waiting. Five minutes. We'll get to two tenths. You feel like you struggle to be joyful? Maybe you've got to ask yourself, am I really connected to the love of God? Because you can't send out something if you're not connected to the pipeline. We're not going to be joyful on our own strength. You know what that looks like? That's the fake world we live in. Hey, how's life? Great! As soon as they leave, we're miserable. Saying life is great is not feeling joyful. Okay? Having it just flow out of our hearts. That's where we want to be. But we've got to be connected to God if we're going to be joyful. What describes you? Well, go back to your connection with God and you'll see. Second thing I see, joy comes from trusting God. Go over to Romans 15. Romans 15. You're quiet again. It's like food coma in here. Do I need to show the kitty photo? All right. Romans 15. Verse 13. Paul says this. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what Paul says? He goes that God is the one that does the filling. You know, and so that that goes along with point number one. You got to get connected to the source. You got to be connected with that unfailing love of Jesus So you've got something in the tank to give. So, you know, he's not telling you, hey, leave the fellowship today, put a smile on your face, and act joyful and you'll get there. No. He says, hey, God's the one that does the filling. So your job, be connected to him. But there is something else that we're called to do. So we need to be connected to the love of God. But Paul says, as you trust in him. I want you to imagine for a moment the worst boss you ever had, the worst teacher you ever had, the worst coach you ever had. And you say, what do you mean by worst? The most unstable. The most untrustable. What does that mean? It means that on any given day, you did not know if they were going to be happy or they were going to be angry. You didn't know if they were going to look out for you or not. You didn't know if they were going to stab you in the back and blame you for all the problems, if they were going to take responsibility. You just never quite knew what you were going to face. They say, come on, go and have a great day at work. Go have fun at at sports practice. Go do well on your tests. Like all of us, we got people in mind, right? That what's the point? 
if we didn't feel like we could trust who they were, it was very unsettling. You couldn't walk in there and just relax and do whatever it was you needed to do. Our Christianity is the same way. If we don't trust God, we will not have joy in our life. Say, what's the condition? Well, we're the ones called to trust. Well, what do we like to do with that? Well, I want to wait and see what happens. If it turns out good, then I'll trust God. No, it doesn't work that way. Trust is before something happens. Not to mention that a lot of times that we actually think are bad in the moment, a year later, or five years later, or ten years later, we go, oh, I had no idea that this was going to result because of this. And of course, funny thing to think about, who would you be married to if God answered your first prayer? Might not be the person you're sitting next to. You know, now you go, man, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for Cheryl. God gave me the best wife for me. I'm fired up about that. But there were some heartbreaks that went along the way to get to that point. You see, do you trust God? You say, well, I do, except in this area. You know, whatever area this area is for you, that's the real test of if you trust. You know, there's just certain things in life that it's pretty easy to trust. And then there's other things for each one of us. And it's all, it's different for you and for me. And we go, yeah, but, but this. I don't know about this. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's health. What's the this? You know, I'll show you a picture. Isn't that a great picture? That kid's fired up. He's jumping for his dad. You know, kids, they trust their parents. They love their parents. I remember when Luke was about two. He couldn't really swim. He wore floaties. And we rented a place that had a pool. And we had locks on both gates. And I was in there swimming. And the the upper latch, I thought, was closed all the way. So I was at one end of the pool. And Luke somehow got the gate open. No floaties, nothing. And he just ran and jumped in the end of the pool. He can't swim. So he just sank like a rock. He's two. So I'm swimming as fast as I can. I dive down to the bottom, and he's at the bottom of the pool, just standing there, his eyes open, and he's just smiling. Like, there was no part of him that thought, I'm going to die because I don't know how to swim. I don't really know what he was thinking. But he was smiling. I mean, he wasn't trying to get to the surface. He was just sitting at the bottom of the pool, hanging out. 
Like, why would kids do that? Because they just have this trust. Well, Dad's here. It's going to be fine. But if you don't feel safe, you don't live life in the same way. You don't experience joy if you're not experiencing trust. You're always wondering why. What's the motivation? What's going to happen? If I surrender, what's going to happen here? Where's your trust tested? Where does this picture not make sense? Okay, the big guy in the picture is God, and you're the little guy. What's the area of life that God's saying, hey, jump into my arms? You're like, nope. I want to run the show. I want to be in control. I'm going to make my own decisions. And God's like, come on, I'm right here. No way. What if I fall? God's like, I'll catch you. What if you don't? I'm going to splat. Now, what, what, this picture, what is it for you that you go, I'm not willing to do that with God? See, because whatever it is, is what's robbing you of your joy. Says, God, may God fill you. God does the filling. As you trust in Him. What's our part of the equation? We trust. God does the filling. You know, if we stop and think about it, there's a lot of things in our world to be afraid of. You ever read medicine labels? Like the ones, and and then the ones on TV are the worst. They always speak really fast, so you don't listen. You're like, some of those side effects are worse than the thing that they're giving you the drug for. I always love the ones, you know, they have the name of the drug. Please do not take if you're allergic to this drug. Oh, I'll keep that in mind next time. If I know I'm allergic to it, I won't take it. I mean, but even like Tylenol, Advil, you read those labels, there's enough to be afraid of. Parents. I mean, we think about our kids and we love our kids, don't we? But don't don't you do this as a parent? Whatever you see them do, you magnify and go, oh, 30 years from now, if you don't change this, you're going to be a horrible husband or wife. You're going to be a bad citizen. How are you going to hold down a job? And what happened? Well, they did this. You know why? Because we're just, we're naturally, we're afraid. We want to run the show. We want to be in control. God's like, here, jump into my arms. God's like, your kids, yeah, you know what? I actually love your kids more than you love your kids. And there's certain days that we know that's true. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Joy comes from trusting. Some of us act like God is the student driver and we're the parent in the other seat that has no brake. Why, why do our cars not have a brake? All we can do is yell, right, parents? You ever taught your kid to drive? It's terrifying. But some of us act like God's the one driving. 
student driver. Now jump into his arms. See, joy comes from trusting God. Make those decisions to trust. Put your life in his hands. And then finally, joy comes from being all in. Go over to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Verse 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Why would Jesus tell this story? Because maybe, just maybe, there were those in the audience that didn't see the kingdom of God is that valuable? And so they thought it was worthwhile to sacrifice for Sunday mornings. But maybe not every day. And it was good to make a commitment and have it be part of your life. But when Jesus told the story, the guy didn't sell part of what he had or half of what he had. It says he sold all. Of what he had. You know, it was awesome yesterday counting the cost with Connor and with Brandon. Two fired up men. You know why they were fired up? Because they want to make Jesus Lord of their life. And we talked about it. So what if your parents stop coming to church? What are you going to do? What if they tell you not to come? What if the whole church depends on you? What about when you're 20? What about when you're 30? What about when you're 50? How are you going to live then? So you got a lot of life, probably. We never know for sure. We think we do, but we never know. But I said, you're making a decision now for the rest of your life. Are you ready? And Brandon said, I'm fired up. You see, you know what? You'll sell all you have to get something that's that valuable. See, it says, when he found the treasure. Have you found the treasure? Is the treasure the one that Jesus says ought to be the treasure? Man, in life, we can give all we have to our career, to financial stability, to relationships. And then we look at the kingdom of God and we go, I don't have anything left. I got here. I got some leftovers. I got some stuff. And Jesus says, no, when he found the treasure, he gave all he had. He says, the kingdom of heaven should get your best. Your best heart. Your best thoughts, your best work, your best emotion. I'll tell you a story. This is called the Cullinan One. This diamond is 530 carats. And you can go to the Tower of London and see the crown jewels and you'll see this diamond. Now, this diamond was found in 1905. And it's actually about one-sixth of 
the Cullinan, which was the 1.3 pound diamond, about 3,100 carats for this diamond. They divided it into like five or six stones. So this was the biggest and the best one. So the, the guy in charge of cutting it spent months studying it out and thinking about it before he made his first cut because he knew, man, th- this is a once-in-a-lifetime stone to cut. When the stone was finished, it was sold to the province, uh, the, the provincial government in South Africa where it was found. And it was given to King Edward of England as a gift, a birthday gift. But they were worried that somebody might try and steal it. Yeah, in 1905. They were fired up about big diamonds back then too. And so they had this whole elaborate scheme where they had this entourage and the train and all these security forces guarding the case. But the diamond wasn't in that. The diamond went in a little box with one lone rider that went in the dark of the night by himself. And he got the jewel up to King Edward. Birthday gift. That's a nice gift. But they went through a lot of trouble. Why? To fake people out. Because they wanted to protect the treasure. You know, when you got a treasure, when you got a chance to get a treasure, you go after the treasure. You want to protect the treasure. You prize the treasure. You tell people about your treasure. You put it on display in the Tower of London. What is that? The treasure. Now, what's your treasure? What do your neighbors think your treasure is? Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is the treasure. That people sell all they have. And in their joy, they go and buy it. You see, and Jesus tells us the other part of joy. He says, joy comes from being all in. When you're totally, totally committed. When you're totally surrendered. There's an energy and a fire that is just irreplaceable. But when you're half-hearted, oh, it shows. You ever been in one of those relationships? And you can kind of tell, you know, back in the days when you go with somebody. You know, when you go with me, that's like elementary and junior high. And then one day at school, you notice things have kind of soured. You can be hanging out with that person, but the joy level is not the same. You know why? Because you can just kind of tell the heart's not in it. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven and joy comes from being those that have sold everything. Now, now Jesus doesn't tell us to sell everything. You know what's amazing about Jesus? He lets us keep most of it. But he does say... That we need to make him Lord, which means we give him everything. Now, we just become stewards of the stuff that belongs to him. So as Christians, we don't own anything. It's all, it's all Jesus stuff. 
but he's letting us use it. That's pretty cool of him. Yeah, there's certain things he wants. But most of it, he says, yeah, you keep it. Just use it well. Say, joy comes from being that committed. You know, when you're overwhelmed, the last thing that you want is to be expected to be more committed. Think, I'm already out of time. I already got too much on my plate. Like, I already got more than I can handle, and Jesus wants more. You know why? Because Jesus knows if you'll give it all, then you'll be fired up. And living in 50% land or 80% land or 90% land is to give just enough to be miserably committed. That's why Jesus tells a story. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a man that found a treasure. And when he found it, he sold all he had. You know the thing about all he had is you can be all in and a month later or a year later lose that heart. Start acquiring again. Well, this is Jesus' stuff and this is mine. Yeah, you gotta count the cost again. You gotta have all in moments again. You hit a new stage of life. Again, we're going to be grandparents. I could be all in as a grandparent. Haven't figured out now, you know, if I'm going to be papa or grandpa or peepa or whatever. I haven't figured out my name yet. Not sure. I'll be all of them. I'll be the one that spoils my grandchild and then gives them back to the parents. I told my son, we put a lot of hard work to become grandparents. I've earned the right to spoil my grandchild. Your rules can apply to other people. I'm grandpa. I, I, I am exempt. At least that's my theory. We'll see how it works out. But just because you were all in yesterday doesn't mean you're all in today. Sometimes it depends on... What happened this morning? What's testing all in? But Jesus says, in his joy, sold all he had and went and bought the field because he got the treasure. You know, if you just don't have the joy that you feel like you ought to, check your commitment level. Are you all in? If not, get there. Because 90% is miserable. I mean, I've used that example before, but would you marry somebody that when they did their wedding vows said, I am 90% committed to you. Run the other way. Like the same thing's true with Christianity. Jesus' joy comes from being totally committed. So joy can be yours. Say, God does the filling. What do we do? Well, we connect to God. How often? Daily. To what? His unfailing love. God is love. Our perception of Him is the issue. Who He is is not the problem. But some days take more work than others. 
Make a commitment to daily connect to the love of God. Secondly, trust God. In all areas, the ones that are most hardest to trust. That's not good English, is it? Most hardest. Sorry, chemist. That area. Whatever you're thinking about right now. Trust God in that area. Surrender to Him. He made the universe. He, he knows more than you do anyway. he got a better plan. And then finally, treasure His kingdom. His kingdom is a treasure. But that doesn't mean it's your treasure. We have to decide to treasure His kingdom. When we do that, man, we're going to be like Brandon and Connor. I can't wait. This is my day. Oh, yeah, Jesus is Lord. I'm excited to say it. I hope people listen to me say it. I hope they hold me accountable for saying it. We told them we're going to do that. We're going to hold you accountable that Jesus is Lord for the rest of your life. That's fine. You know, when you're all in, you're excited about that. Make the choice. Say, Happy Thanksgiving. Really? No, we're looking for joy, right? Joy is just the outflow of being connected to God. Let's do our part. God will do his part. We can supply the joy that the world needs. Amen? Let's stand as we close in a final song.